0: You are listening to the Star Lores podcast. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. Are you stuck up, half-witted,
1: scruffy-looking nerve herder?
0: But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters.
1: Mandalorian Wars were a series of conflicts between the militant tribes of Mandalore and their invasion and conquest of the Old Republic. Almost 4,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, these wars resulted in devastation and ruin wrought across the galaxy for over 16 long years. This era would spawn a series of successive conflicts and purges that only resulted in more death and destruction for all those involved. Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians, and sentients of the Republic alike.
0: CONQUEST Historians disagree on when the Mandalorian Wars officially started, and when they officially ended, as the Mandalorian clans had continuously conducted raids into Republic space before their crusade of conquest started in earnest on the heels of the Great Sith War and the original Mandalorian Crusades during the 20 years that followed the war a 20-year era of peace known as the restoration period served as a buffer between the conflicts the Republic was able to recover and rebuild from the devastation of the Great Sith War and commerce, exploration, and prosperity resumed, and the Republic's influence spread through much of the galaxy. Despite the corruption of some corporate interests, peace reigned. For a short time at least, on the planet Mandalore, however, a disaffected group of Mandalorians dubbed themselves Neo-Crusaders, yearning again for the holy wars and glory of their past and wanting to exploit new recruits and resources ripe for conquest the movement found support in Mandalore, the ultimate and his lieutenant Cassus Fett. the neo-crusaders thought their predecessors and more traditional nomadic brethren as too disorganized to effectively exploit the worlds that they had brought to heel in the past These neo-crusaders adopted a more organized hierarchical structure, and began raiding and pillaging independent worlds on the outer rim, but quickly started encroaching into Republic space. The Republic was slow to respond to the initial raids, as the gears of government red tape, debate and subcommittees tried to assess the true level of threat the Mandalorians represented while neo-crusaders did not represent all Mandalorians they were the ideological core a cult of true believers that were able to rally others to their Wars of aggression acting as a vanguard and heart of less radical Mandalorian groups As
1: the Neo-Crusaders conquered worlds, they would industrialize and recruit the occupied population, indoctrinating masses of new recruits into the Neo-Crusader cause. While this method of war-making was able to quickly produce large numbers of warriors for the conflicts to come, the mass recruitment led to a broader degradation in the quality of warriors that they produced, relying on either weight of numbers or radical zealotry to make up for their lack of skill. Despite this, the core of the Mandalorian neo-crusaders were superior combatants and acted as the solid core and vanguard of the raids. Those under Mandalorian occupation that were not mass recruited into the military found themselves as slaves and producers for the war effort. Many criminals and beings who otherwise wanted to escape slavery or take part in the pillaging that followed a Mandalorian raid did not offer the best pool of candidates for warriors, further diminishing the quality of new recruits. The official beginning of the Mandalorian Wars is marked by the first battle of a void engagement between the marauding Mandalorians and the local Althir, Althiri fleet above the planet Altheer III. The Neo-Crusaders were led by Candorus Ordo, a prolific Mandalorian battle leader who commanded his fleet to victory over the numerically superior Althiri at a 10 to 1 ratio. Following this battle, the Mandalorians invaded the world of Cathar to exact bloody revenge for their part in their defeat during the Great Sith War. This conquest, unlike the others where the conquered were given the option of servitude or conscription, was to be a war of extermination. Led by Cassus Fett, Mandalorians descended on the world and slaughtered every Cathar they could find. Men, women, and children were slaughtered. It was at the climax of this event, the remaining Cathars had been herded into the ocean where the final culling would occur. A lone Mandalorian female objected to the wanton slaughter, standing in defiance of Cass's fete, and putting herself between the Mandalorians and the remaining Cathar. At Cass's command, the slaughter resumed, and the lone Mandalorian female died with the last of the Cathars on the planet. Her helmet were, would later become the signature visage of Darth Revan, who wore it in her memory of defiance in the face of genocide. A handful of refugees had escaped the carnage and fled on a number of ships bearing only a few hundred survivors into Republic space to hide and warn them of the coming storm, the last of their kind. When the Republic was informed of the travesty, they mobilized military assets knowing that war would soon come to them, however they suppressed news of the slaughter to keep the population from panicking and rioting. The Mandalorians would continue their crusade of conquest, cutting swathes into the Teon hegemony and hut space among many other worlds. For eight years, world after world, system after system, would fall. Some worlds were conquered easily, others rallied defenses, and some, like the huts, hired mercenaries to defend their holdings. However, many would end up joining the Mandalorian cause themselves. The Mandalorians swept through the Outer Rim and began prodding the Mid territories, testing the Republic Navy and military forces, Slowly, Republic worlds began falling to Mandalorian advances, and the echoes of the war front penetrated deep into both the halls of the Republic government, but also into the sacred chambers of the Jedi.
0: Revan The Jedi, though known to be powerful warriors, had sat out the war, though the growing accounts of atrocities of the Mandalorians had caused great consternation in the High Council. The Jedi clung to their values of peacemakers, worried that the taint of the dark side would infect them, if they became warriors and were resolute not to engage in the war as soldiers. Despite the Council's decision, a young Jedi began voicing a counter-opinion to the Council of the Jedi, arguing in favor on intervention. These Jedi advocated for revanchism and wanted to take back the lost worlds of the Republic. Spurred on by the charismatic Jedi and his friend Alec, the pair recruited many of their colleagues into their movement. Their leader was branded a Jedi Crusader by the media and, against the Council's wishes, led the substantial warriors to the battlefront. Amidst the disharmony among the Jedi, the Padawan Massacre incident also happened on the world of Terrace, leading to further chaos on the world, and, signaling to the Mandalorians, that the time to invade the Republic in force had arrived. The Mandalorians invaded Vanquo and soon made a spearhead towards the ecumenopolis of Terrace. After forcing the Republic fleet into retreat, the Mandalorians began attacking Terrace itself, the local home guard and guerrilla forces made of local swoop gangs and police offering the only resistance while a small crew of misfits and Jedi began their own operations against the Mandalorian war machine. Latching onto the narrative of the Jedi Crusader, the media dubbed him the Revengist, and he soon uncovered the genocide of the Cathars while investigating the ruins of their world and donned the Mandalorian mask that would come to be his signature. Meanwhile, the Jedi High Council sent an interdiction force demanding the Revan and his followers to disband, but begrudgingly allowed him to continue his crusade after the discovery of the Cathar atrocity. Though they continued to publicly denounce him, Revan, as a conciliatory move, claimed that the Jedi under his command would join the Republic military as a mercy corps and act only as healers though this would not last long. Meanwhile, the Mandalorians continued to conquer world after world, penetrating deep into Republic space and into the core worlds where they began staging for the invasion of Alderaan and Sorako. The infighting amongst the Jedi continued, and one group, led by Jedi Master and former Council member Dorja Case, who, having previously fallen in love with a Mandalorian during the Sith Wars, and believing the Republic irredeemably corrupt, set off with a band of former Revanchists to join the Mandalorians, adopting their traditions and values and becoming the Mandalorian Knights. The warriors adopted Mandalorian armor and wielded uniform yellow lightsaber blades and fought alongside the Mandalorians against the Republic after serving as double agents and saboteurs amongst Republic forces before their identities were revealed. Dorja Case had planned to kidnap the Jedi younglings at Dantooine to raise a full generation of Mandalorian knights. Collateral.
1: Believing the Mandalorians would not attack civilian targets due to their code of honor, Rear Admiral Saul Careth stationed Republic forces right beside the world of Sureco's most populated centers. Yet it was at Sureco where the Mandalorians would add to their list of atrocities, firing a barrage of nuclear warheads at major population centers on the surface of the world completely bypassing the Republic Navy ships stationed on guard. On the planet Jebel, as the Mandalorians planned to assault Alderaan, they discovered and awakened the mere Talisman, unleashing a rack a plague amongst the Mandalorian army, forcing Cassus Fett to bombard the planet and his own forces with a barrage of nuclear warheads to stop the plague from spreading. Despite the delay in the Mandalorian advance, they continued their conquest burning the great Zosian Fields on Ares III, whose fires burned a full decade later, and subjugated the worlds of Azure and Kontrum, and Duro along with the systems of Zell and Ambria. The war had spread across many sectors on multiple fronts, and despite the Mandalorian victories, Revan had led the Republic to many of their own. Supreme Chancellor Tal Kressa, under Republic pressure, appointed Revan Supreme Commander of Republic Forces, owing to his celebrated victories against the seemingly unstoppable Mandalorians.
0: It was under Revan's leadership that the Republic was able to push back the Mandalorian advance, and liberate world after world. Personally taking to the battlefield, Revan broke the siege of Terrace amongst a long list of other accomplishments. Alec, the Jedi warrior who had been one of Revan's earliest followers and closest allies, redubbed himself Malak, and was never far from Revan's side. Ever the strategist, however, Revan's victories came at a cost. He had strayed far from his Jedi ideals and began taking calculated risks, sacrificing worlds and lives in increasingly violent offensives, and prioritizing industrial and infrastructural assets over those that defended them, or allowing others to languish in order to score victories elsewhere. Revan and Malak began the policy of victory at all costs. This was exemplified when Revan's forces attacked the world of Onderon and the moon of Duxon, where it was said that the Republic forces lost ten soldiers for each Mandalorian killed. As the war continued, the body count grew exponentially, and the galaxy as a whole suffered for it. He had also discovered an ancient star map of Rakatan design that led to a Star Forge, a super weapon capable of churning out almost unlimited war materials, able to subdue the galaxy, though he did not locate it before the end of the war. Additionally, Revan encountered the Treus Academy on Malachor V, an ancient Sith institution of learning where he began his first steps towards unlocking the knowledge of the dark side. Spurred on by his philosophy, willing to sacrifice anything and everything for victory. Endgame
1: Despite their many victories, the Mandalorians had put up a strong defense and the war began draining both sides of war materials and personnel. Revan decided that the war must end and began preparations for forcing a final confrontation on the world of Malachor V, deploying a massive Republic fleet near the world to bait the Mandalorians into an attack. Meanwhile, he planted a super bomb on the planet's surface, the Mass Shadow Generator, capable of creating a powerful gravitational vortex, capable of cracking the surface of the world and dragging entire fleets into its iron grip, crushing them into oblivion. Under the command of Jedi General Mitra Surik, the Mandalorians attacked the Republic fleet as expected, and a devastating ship to ship battle began. As the tide turned against the Mandalorians and sensing an inevitable defeat, Mandalore the Ultimate played one final gambit. He challenged Revan to single combat aboard his flagship. Revan accepted and the two warriors engaged in a duel. Despite his strength and ferocity, Mandalore was defeated by Revan and slain. In his last moments, Mandalore told Revan a secret. He revealed that he had been manipulated by the Sith and gave the coordinates to the planet Revan took the mask of the Mandalore, denying the warriors the ability to elect a new leader, and left them broken and in disarray. Despite his personal victory, the battle grew increasingly dubious as casualties on both sides began to mount. While out of range of the mass shadow generator, Revan and Mitra Sirik ordered the activation of the bomb. Their survivors watched in horror as Republic and Mandalorian ships alike were caught inside the gravity vortex and dragged into each other and to the planet's surface, killing everyone caught in its devastating grip. Malachor itself, once a lush, verdant world, cracked under the strain, and tens of thousands died. So devastating and destructive was the superweapon that it created a wound in the Force, and Mitra Sirik, the closest surviving Jedi to the blast, had to sever her ties to the Force entirely to avoid being killed from the shockwave caused in it. Though the Republic lost many ships and soldiers, the Mandalorians had been utterly defeated and issued their surrender. Revan had achieved his victory, but at what cost?
0: aftermath After hearing about the events at Malakor, the Jedi Council summoned all the Revanchists back to face judgment for their actions. Revan and Malak refused the summons and took their forces into the unknown regions, under the pretext that they were hunting Mandalorian survivors. Jedi Master Sirik, now severed from the Force, returned however, against Malak's wishes. Revan and Malak would continue to Rekiad to confirm Mandalore's allegations of Sith manipulation. There, in the tomb of Dramath, the pair discovered the existence of a secret Sith Empire through a Datacron. Revan also left behind the mask of Mandalore in the tomb and, with Malak, set off to find and kill the leader. Of this sith empire however their plans and their fates would not be so simple the mandalorian wars led directly to the jedi civil war as revan and his followers embraced the dark side after returning from their mission newly christened darth revan and darth malik and began a new war with the republic but that is a tale for another time The Mandalorian Wars left scars on the galaxy that would not heal for generations. Many planets' populations had been utterly decimated, the Cathar species had been brought to the brink of extinction, and cities on worlds such as Sarko had been nuked into oblivion. Malachor had been destroyed, and the wound in the force around the planet would be reflected in its survivors, Mitra Surak who would transmit the terrible effects of what she had witnessed to others around her wherever she went. Force wounds also served as powerful locations of loss and pain for Force users, and were used by the Sith to re-establish an academy, where the oppressive nature of the environment better served the Sith, and helped to erode the will of light-side Force users in their presence. The Republic was overall left reeling after the destruction of the war, and despite their small victory, left them barely able to withstand the following conflicts to come. Similarly, the Jedi Council was left split, those that followed Revan and those that followed the Council, and this cleft would soon turn to violence when Revan returned from his foray into the unknown regions igniting a full-on jedi civil war the mandalorian knights who had survived and surrendered earlier on in the fighting had been brought back to the council for judgment and sentencing the greatest losses however were suffered by the mandalorians themselves denied the ability to appoint a new leader due to revan's confiscation of the mask of Mandalore. The once cohesive neo-crusaders devolved to smaller clans forming enclaves on whatever worlds they had been abandoned on on by the end of the war leaderless they again took to nomadic living some going off into the galaxy as loners to live as pit fighters mercenaries or bounty hunters the tong species had been utterly decimated and other species like humans would go on to carry the Mandalorian traditions and way of life, saving the culture at least from extinction. Revan ordered the destruction of the infamous Basilisk war droid the Mandalorians had ridden into battle, however not all complied with the new directive, though most were destroyed, ending at least one brief mainstay of the Mandalorian people. He also ordered the stripping of Mandalorians of their weapons and armor, which greatly impinged on the proud warrior's honor and had limited success. Weapons of War
1: The Mandalorian Wars had led to the development of and prevalence of many new technologies that would go on to shape the galaxy. Interdictor technology, or gravity-based weapons or tools, had been developed and advanced by Zabrak engineers, which culminated in the creation of the Mass Shadow Generator. This technology would also go on to be used in ship-based gravity wells that could detain enemy ships from jumping into hyperspace, and eventually led to the interdictor-class cruiser under the Empire thousands of years later. Ion technology, at least in weapon-based platforms, saw widespread use as a less lethal, disabling mode of attack, crippling enemy ships, weapons, or electromagnetic technologies. Most notable, however, was the discovery of ancient Rakatan star maps, that would lead to the later discovery of the starforged superweapon. among this ancient technology was also the rediscovery of the mirror talisman a dark jedi artifact responsible for the creation of the rakul plague this outbreak severely hampered the mandalorian war effort when over a million of the warriors had been infected and evolved into salivating bloodthirsty beasts and prompting casus fet to annihilate them with a barrage of nuclear weapons the plague did persist however in the underlevels of terrace during the war, an entrepreneuring and profit-hungry private enterprise, the Adasca Biomechanical Corporation of Arcania, or ADASCorp, attempted to introduce their own brand of superweapon into the war effort. They attempted to control and weaponize the massive Exogorth spaceworms, and attempted to auction them off to either the Republic, the Mandalorians, or the Revanchists. By selling their Exogorth technology to the highest bidder, Atascorp would ascend to be the most powerful corporate entity in the galaxy and puppeteer for whatever faction won the war, though the use of the beasts. This plan was short-lived, however, as saboteurs exposed Atascorp's goals and destroyed Atascorp's flagship, along with the ability to tame the monstrous beasts. Most horrific were the experiments of one Dr. Demigol, a Mandalorian Neo-Crusader and high-ranking officer under Mandalore the Ultimate. Demigol, obsessed with scientific explanation and intent to create Mandalorian Force users, had conducted numerous and often torturous experiments that often killed his subjects. While his studies grossly underestimated the Force as something beyond mere scientific replication, his work, however grotesque, advanced scientific knowledge from the physiological elements of the Force. Though not many of his former subjects survived, his studies, those that did, such as one Alec, later named Malik, had never forgotten the torture inflicted by the doctor, and took to personally hunting him to exact justice and or revenge.
0: Darker Motives While the Mandalorian Wars were on a course for the warrior culture modus operandi, they had also been the result of a darker underlying plot to attack the Jedi and weaken the Republic. A pure blood Sith emissary approached Mandalore, the ultimate and through a mixture of force persuasion and the Mandalore's own deep rooted desires to remove the stains of shame and guilt their recent defeat in the Great Sith Wars. The Emissary was able to influence Mandalore the Ultimate to take up arms against the Republic. The Sith Empire would continue to operate in the shadows, allowing their enemies to weaken each other so that when the time was right, they would sweep in through a war-weary galaxy. The plan saw moderate success in the times after the Mandalorian Wars including through the Jedi Civil War and the following Jedi purges, culminating in the Great Galactic War that would follow. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords Podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lords Podcast go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Christian. And this is Jordan. We are currently sitting in orbit over the ruins of Malachor 5.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, just trying to get a little souvenir of a old busted-off rock. A little space rock okay. for <laughs> you. we will got to hit up the asteroid field of Alderaan again at one point. Yeah. I can definitely feel the dark side emanating out of this (laughs) one rock. I can feel the deaths of millions.
1: (laughs) What a nice token. Maybe we'll send it to a fan. (laughs) Yeah. The Mandalorian Wars. Um, First, I just want to get this out of the way. It is a big era with a lot of big characters. We will definitely be revisiting this time and these people. Um, With all their own episodes and their own content. This was just kind of a brief overview of everything. We couldn't delve into the nitty gritty of every event and every person that was involved. Believe me, I really wanted to, but the script ended up being twice as long. So we will be coming back to this stuff eventually. Um, Let's really touch on Revan real quick because he is a fan favorite character. um, And I don't want to delve too much into him because I want to save stuff for his own episode. Um, But just real fast here. Revan... Revan Chisholm and he adopted the title of Revan Chist for a little while, um, and even the word Revan all actually are, have a meaning. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Sith Lords, their names have some kind of connotation in real life. Plagueis, Vader, um, you know, they Invader, Maul. I think we've touched on this before. For Revan and Revan Chism is very interesting, which I didn't know until writing this episode. I thought it was just a cool word that they decided to name their main character. Um, But it does mean to reclaim lost territory, kind of like in a vengeful manner, Um, which is exactly what Revan did. Uh, By the time he got involved in the war, the Republic had already lost a lot of planets to the Mandalorians. And so he was the one that was like saying, let's take it back. Let's take back lost territory, which is exactly what Revan Chisholm is. So I thought that was a cool link. Again, I didn't know that before.
0: Yeah, I hadn't actually realized that the name was like lifted from the actual
1: word. Yeah, it actually has a meaning and stuff, yeah. which is which is cool. It was a quite literal meaning. Yeah. Um to what Revan was doing.
0: Yeah. I also didn't realize uh Malik's name was Alec.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't do quite the big change, but uh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Malak has its own cool connotations, which maybe I'll save for a Malak episode because there's a lot to discuss there. But okay. we're not talking about Revan and Malak right now. We're talking about the Mandalorian Wars in general. Indeed. Um, One thing very interesting, well, a couple of things, some historical context too, Um, the Cathars. So anyone that's played the game, Juhani, anyone remembers they look like cats. I'm sure that wasn't uh, yep. <laughs> a missed opportunity. Um, but the Cathars and their extermination is also linked to a real-life event, which, uh, an offshoot of Catholicism in lower France and Italy, uh, the Cathar persecutions, where they essentially declared a—the cru- Catholic Church declared a crusade on the Cathars and exterminated them, ultimately. Um, which is again lifted directly from yeah, history. Clearly, Crusaders come in <clears throat> and annihilate the Cathars. It would have been cool if they had a little more linkage, like maybe they were some kind of heretics or something, or yeah, maybe they didn't want to be too on the nose with it, because yeah. um, it just seemed like the Mandalorians just particularly hated the Cathars because of the Cathars' vague involvement in the Great Sith Wars prior to the Mandalorian Wars. So this is kind of like a vengeance thing. Um, this is also the first time we see Mandalorians like adopting other species into their ranks. So prior to this point, they're mostly Tongs.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they started recruiting other people and, like, you can see it in a lot of the cool, nicely old Republic comic books, um, you can see the Mandalorians have, like, very unique armor based on different species that they have that have joined them, which yeah. is very cool. Um, And then that changes, too. So an, another unique thing to the Neo-Crusaders specifically is this, like, uniformity, which isn't typical of the Mandalorians prior to this point. Um, So their armor goes from, like, yeah, being very during this period um goes from like individualized to like color-coded command structure blue are like frontline soldiers red are like mid-tier supervisors and then yellow are like you know your commanders and things and uh and the armor all looks the same they they really strive for uniformity in there at least in the core of the neo crusader force so that was cool and you you see that in the in the knights of the republic old republic video games <laughs> as well um yeah overall very bloody time um indeed the mandalorians are painted in a very dark light um especially compared to the mandalorians of like if you're watching modern disney interpretation (laughs) of mandalorians very a lot more noble less violent
0: but i think that's fair though because the newer interpretation of the mandalorians they're they're so far removed from the mandalorian wars that you could arguably say and they're so fringe too uh, yeah
1: this is thousands of years later and this yeah. neo crusaders are a specific subset of yeah. mandalorians so you got to remember it's not everyone
0: yeah and they're a dominant force in the galaxy right like yeah they're, the incentive structure is different when you're such a when you're an empire uh, you know to wage war in a certain way to when you're like an eclectic small group of dispersed uh, like diaspora yeah. across the galaxy so. It's a
1: very different. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just
0: a different dynamic. So to me it's a believable explanation. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's, it's a, beli- cool. a believable uh I guess transition from being like uh, uh uh ruthless uh warmongers to being, you know, more noble yeah mercenaries.
1: Yeah, um the the other thing too that they do go out of their way to mention is like the recruitment of other species it was like very like quick and like it it degraded the quality of warrior that they're also getting. So yeah, there it's kind of a trade off in yeah in the fact that they're recruiting mass armies to fight a bigger war, right? Rather than this elite core of special soldiers that you know, if you get engaged in a really protracted battle, your casualties are going to be too devastating to su- su- like continue that kind of fighting. So even the style of war making is very
0: different. One thing I kind of like uh, actually going back to like Disney Mandalorian canon all the way back to, you know, 4,000 years before that is the armor is like very similar and they keep the style of armor the same throughout. So I think that's kind of cool. They didn't change it too much up in uh, in Disney. Yeah, with the T-visor and. Yeah, no, but just like the armor plating and stuff like oh. that, uh, like overall, it's like very similar. Like it's very believable that this is the same culture. That, you know, yeah, you, like you know, it's an evolution. It survived throughout the thousands of years and it hasn't changed much. Which I I, I just like a, a consistent through line, kind of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, some cool things too to note. Um, I it felt like I don't know. You tell me because you played the games too. I feel like in one iterate, I don't know. Bioware did a really good job of like balancing, making the Mandalorians like sympathetic and cool, but also bloodthirsty and ruthless. Yeah. Where like whenever you hear Candice Ordo talk about it, it's very like uh, like reminiscing of old glory days. Yeah. And then sometimes other characters, especially Republic characters who also veterans of the war, push back. I'm like, no, you you know, you just slaughtered people and you're just violent. Right. Um, and you see that dynamic throughout, but there's also people trying to like in the narrative rescue the Mandalorians from just being, you know, this monstrous, like they have some pretty monstrous characters. Demigol is almost this like uh Dr. Mangala type figure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that came through in the scripted portion so much, but like he's experimenting on force users. He's very like harsh in his treatment of his subjects, obviously. Um, and the Mandalorians overall are like him specifically is looking to unlock the secrets of the forest through genetics and stuff, um, which also comes up as kind of a theme that we see through the Mandalorian TV show currently and like the Bad Batch and stuff. There's there's an unspoken narrative through line about genetics and and force use that we haven't. The, the plot yeah. hasn't fully unraveled in that area yet, but we're still, you know, why did the Imperials, why were they testing Grogu, what do they want to do, are they cloning him, are they looking to make force user clones, right, this yeah. this narrative of the force and clone technology has been around for a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously with uh, Legends. Um... You know, and palpatine and all that there's a lot of that kind of stuff,
1: yeah, exactly, so it's it's a it's something that we have seen in one iteration, and it's interesting to see where Disney might go with this kind of through line in the future,
0: yeah, I agree um yeah, yeah, uh yeah I agree with you too, though, about like it is interesting the the transition between like the Mandalorian Wars into the jedi civil wars you're when you're playing the game, you're kind of stuck in the middle of this as the jedi civil wars are about to take off
1: um no you're like mid civil war in War 1 because revan's I guess, already yeah i guess, yeah, I guess revan you're already right. came yeah, back yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then kind of made his reputation as a sith yeah. lord and then you know the, yeah and the down. civil war
0: ends by the time you're finished the game yeah. um but yeah you're right uh i think it's like yeah it is interesting i i almost wonder I have sort of watched like a lot of period pieces about like the end of World War One and sort of the devastation that had happened and how it really changed society a lot. Yeah. Um, especially like with people who came back and they were, they had like really major injuries or their, um,
1: uh, PTSD and shell yeah. shock
0: and like actual maimings and yeah, yeah, exactly, the, all that kind of stuff and and how like I think it sort of. Maybe change because I think prior to World War One, there was like a lot of honor in going to war, yeah. And and, uh, it was painted
1: in a very romantic way, yeah.
0: And everyone wanted to like go and fight for his country. And then after World War One, I think attitudes started to change. At least this is the way it's been depicted. I don't, I can't say that for sure. I'm just like saying how I've seen it being depicted or read about it being depicted is like World War One, like attitudes started to change because it was such a horrific war and, and um traumatic for a lot of everyone who' was involved <clears throat> uh it it uh yeah it it um I think it just had like this very long effect on people and really what happened in World War one is really if you look at it in context that's the those are the events that led to world war two right like yeah. it, it sort of set up the It set up Europe for everything that was going to happen in World War Two. But uh, it's just interesting. I I feel like they kind of pulled maybe some of those elements from the game where, yeah, you have like a lot of people really distraught over the war the devastation that it caused it was it was so bloody and, yeah you're and always so hearing morsel. characters
1: talking about the war yeah, yeah like, exactly a, aside from a few mandalorian characters who enjoyed yeah, those times yeah. everyone else is like so scarred yeah. from it and you could see it like you could see it in the in the characters you can see it in the psyche in the yeah on the world some of them that you visit are just like war ravaged and ruined and
0: yeah, yeah. exactly you know like just just seeing the face of someone who returned from the war and and like there's no soul left in them, you know, hollowed and, eyes, yeah. Like, yeah, I I I kind of kind of got that that feeling out of sort of coming out of the Mandalorian Wars and and what happened there, but I I don't know that that's what the writers were intending. I'm just sort of
1: I do think there is a very strong like uh commentary on war and even right. how you lose your soul. Right, Revan starts out as this like noble crusader. Yeah. You know, the media loves him. You know, the Jedi Council's like, oh, we're not so sure about this. We're worried our souls might get tainted by going to war. <laughs> yeah. And Revan's like, and, and it's not that, it, they, they, they're they good at making like a complex, like, it's hard to say like, you know, Revan was wrong for doing this or Revan was right for doing this because, you know, what Revan sees, he sees like the slaughter of the Cathars and he's like, no, we need yeah. to intervene. These Mandalorians are coming for us. They've already done so much, uh, so, so much evil. We need to stop them. So you have that kind of narrative, but you also have the narrative of like Revan loses his soul in this war. Yeah. He starts, you know, victory at all costs kind of mentality, which events eventually corrupts him into a Sith Lord.
0: And But at the same time, you can't blame Revan, like the characters' motivations. I think th- the way that the Mandalorian Wars are portrayed is they were so devastating, so complete, so uh, uh, just, you know, mountains of skulls and rivers of blood. And it was just, uh, uh, such a traumatic thing that happened, you could probably empathize with how Revan felt and why he was so motivated to enter the war and yeah
1: that's what i'm saying it's morally they make it they're really good at playing this morally gray like yeah was he or wasn't he right did he make in, the in right fact
0: line? if you if you put yourself in those shoes as like a citizen i think you would be like appalled that the jedi aren't getting involved yeah right like, like we
1: have these powerful warriors are sitting in the back lines while yeah, people we're are getting slaughtered. slaughtered yeah
0: yeah uh you you, i think i think you'd have like a very visceral feeling and and then but i think it's with with the conceptually what the force is and how it affects people it's very dangerous when people who are like uh very capable in the force start playing that game right like because then they can easily be tainted and i think i think it it's almost better for like yeah, you know, Candorous Ordo type people, or, uh, um, what's his name, Carthonassi, or whatever. Yeah. You know, because they'll sort of stick to their principles, uh, no matter what. But they can't really be tainted the same way that uh, that I think a Force user can, right? Especially experiencing um, that kind of savagery.
1: Yeah, but even that's even a commentary on humans. Like you were saying, like the scars of war. You know, they kind of they stay in your soul. Yeah, right? like. What did you do in the battlefield, you know, when you yeah. were put in that situation? How did you lose yourself? How did part of you die? How did you compromise your own moral standards? And did you? Some yeah. people may not. But those are like really heavy questions that come from war that I think the the entire era of the Mandalorian Wars and lights of the Old Republic are commenting on. Yeah, right? And you hear that I a lot agree. through the dialogue yeah. of the characters and things like that
0: as well. Um. Yeah, there needs to be more media made on the Mandalorian Wars, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be, I cool think it would area be cool to explore. There's yeah. so there's a comic series that kind of like dances around it, it doesn't engage with it directly. Yeah. You follow probably like a, a few novels, sideband no, of characters. I haven't looked, I imagine the Revan book might, yeah, delve into it somewhat. Um, but yeah, you also see the Mandalorian perspective too, which is cool. And I, yeah. I'm always down for more Mandalorian contact, content, <laughs> even if they are bloodthirsty. <laughs> um, yeah, there is another point I wanted to make. I'm kind of forgetting here. Um, um, one thing um, that I I don't totally appreciate that they have done. Um, so for the Knights of the Republic, Knights of the Old Republic RPG game that's come out now, they've kind of gone back and retconned some of the stuff from Kotor. Um, so you mean but, like
0: a. The uh, online, yeah, the MMO, yeah. yeah, yeah, the
1: mass multiplayer online game, um, so the Old Republic go- go- online, I think, yeah, yeah the, the Old Republic, sorry, yeah. 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 Um, so they've gone back and kind of retconned the Knights of the Old Republic, and even the incentive for the Mandalorian Wars now uh, has been retconned into this like it was all a plot by the Sith mm. who kind of triggered this war, and as a means to weaken their enemies and then come back in full force later. Um, it's kind of it's understandable, I guess I should say, because it does play to how the Sith think. Um, and it, it is something that Sith would do. And it's very much in line with like the Sith manipulating events in the background, weakening all their enemies, um, making the Mandalorians and the Republic fight each other into this brutal, horrific conflict. And then just coming in to sweep in and, and be pretty much unchallenged. Um, But I think it robs some of the agency and like kind of what we were talking about, the narrative of war. Like, you know, Revan just becomes a puppet now rather than someone with agency. Yeah. Mandalore the Ultimate, again, you know, leading the Mandalorians also becomes a puppet rather than a character with agency. And that's something that the MMO has done is just robbed all these characters of their agency and just made them puppets for a... Bigger bad, who's like manipulating things behind the scenes. I I
0: I feel I think I feel similarly to you. It sounds too like Illuminati to me. Yeah, and that's not really how I would. It's more realistic to actually believe that a bunch of things just happen and and people made mistakes. Different
1: people's choices affected other people, good or bad, and chaos and scenes. It wasn't
0: all just like kind of orchestrated. All part of the plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, new world order, new galaxy order.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that is totally what the Sith do. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it does it is in line with what they would do. I just for this conflict, I don't I don't know. I'd I'd like the characters to have agency. I'd like that morally gray they're making choices in hard situations, they're not just being manipulated yeah. by some greater evil. That everyone can just rally behind being the bad guys. And then that also in the cold the Sith the Great Sith or the Great Oh my gosh, there's too many Star Wars and Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh the Great Galactic War. And then the Cold War that follows, you have this like third empire that comes into play. And we'll, we'll get into all those in their own episodes. But this is like the prelude to all that now, because the Sith essentially manipulated Mandalore the Ultimate into triggering this crusade. Yeah. Now, Mandalore the Ultimate wanted to do these things anyways, because it's in line with his culture, his ideals, the new crusader values they wanted revenge for their losses during the previous war um and even that is like a kind of a comment on war just like begetting more war right yeah yeah world war one leads to world war two leads to the cold war leads to you know again i kind of joked about it but a lot of wars in star wars are just like yeah this cyclical cycle of violence
0: everything is kind of connected in terms of like conflicts and yeah yeah, a, a lot of conflict. Even today, a lot of conflicts that we see now, yeah, are rooted a hundred years ago. Yeah, the, you you can you can trace it back to yeah. S- even subject. World War One, the effects yeah.
1: are being felt today, right? Yep. The way some borders are drawn, the way yep. certain factions see each other. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a, a very real thing that happens. Um, yeah. And even me, when I'm writing this, I'm like listing all the different wars and conflicts that came out of the Mandalorian Wars, and even the Mandalorian Wars being a war triggered by a previous war. The Sith Wars, like yeah, that is that is history, man. Yeah, it's just yeah, that's right. Wars on top of wars and violence on top of violence. Maybe that's why they wrote this. It's almost like an anti-war piece. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Too many wars in Star Wars.
0: <laughs> it is called Star Wars.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting to reflect on all this while we're just drifting in the asteroid field of Malachor, where you know, yeah. Malachor represents kind of a physical version of that scarring soul scarring on the galaxy so
0: yeah it's yeah. sort of like ground zero of hiroshima or something yeah, yeah. right like
1: this big life robbing event that's yeah. that's left its mark on so many people after the fact and again we'll there's so much to, to break into i'm trying to avoid like discussing certain characters and things because we do want to come back and revisit this era and this time and take our time with it so we'll just leave that here as a Memory, and we will uh, come back and visit again. Indeed. Peace.